This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Good morning. How are you? Awesome. Are you ready for church? You're already in church. Worship was wonderful, wasn't it? Ah, thank you, thank you. For those of you who know me well, I should say aloha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a great time. It was great to go, but it's great to get back. And um, um, yeah, I have a little tan. That was all right. And uh, in his wonderful, I don't know, goodness, God sent a little mainland weather to Hawaii while we were there. And instead of sweating every day, we set a record low for that day of 61 degrees. And uh, they were all shivering, and Monica and I were going, this feels so good. (laughs) So it was great to go. It's great to be back. And uh, hey, for those of you who are brand new, my name is Ron. I'm the founding pastor of New Life. And for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to be teaching us some really important principles about life from the Bible and from the teachings of Jesus and and uh, this would be a great time. I like to think of this, um, if you were to turn on your TV and you were to watch, you know, uh, uh, an episode of 24 or something like that. Well, when you come to church, this is an episode of learning. Got it? So we're going we're gonna to have, uh, we're going to have a whole session of learning today. Uh, and whether you've ever been to church before or not, I think you're going to find it most practical and most helpful in your life. So... I welcome you along on that journey. On the inside of your program, there are uh, three things that would be good for you to take out and use uh, because they will help you on this episode of learning. And the first is this card, long skinny card. Um, And when I think of this card, I think of partnership. It's what allows our pastoral staff to partner with you. Our job as a church is that we might do things, help you do things and partner with you in ways that will promote spiritual growth in your life. So whether you're here this morning and uh, you're already a follower of Jesus and you just want to learn how to do that better, uh, we're going to partner with you in that. If you're here this morning and, and you're just exploring the whole concept of faith and spirituality and you're trying to figure out, is there anything to this and so forth, well, what we're going to do this morning will help you out in that journey But as a church, our job is to partner with you. And so uh, here's how this works. This gives you direct access to our pastoral staff. So uh, on the back, there are places for you to put things that are happening in your life that you, if you want us to pray about that, we'd be happy to do that. Places that you can ask for information about what what our church offers or is up to. And at the bottom, there are two things that if you want to participate in, you can check those options down there and we will get you enrolled and up to speed in how to do that. It all begins by putting your name and contact information on the front. So those of you who come here all the time, you've probably already done that. If you're brand new, uh, you could do that now. And then at the very end of our service, we will be collecting those. Uh, the other two things that you can get out, one is a picture. You're going to need that at the very end of what I'm teaching you. You got to promise me you won't sit and look at the picture the whole time and try to figure out what it is. Uh, we will explain it at the end. And the third thing is this uh, sheet of teaching notes. That's some fill in the blank notes, and that will help you learn. 
especially those of you who are visual learners, and also lots of studies reveal that what we write down we remember far better than what we just hear. And uh, so what you're going to learn today would be great if you could remember it. So if you write it down, you have something to refer to and also get it locked in, uh, into, into your brain and your thought process. Now we are in the middle of a series of teachings called A Contrarian's Guide to Knowing God. And Kevin, Pastor Kevin, has done an awesome job, hasn't he, the last couple of weeks? Really a great job. It was, it was fun to pull that up and watch it live and, and um, not quite the same as being here, but it, it was sort of the next best thing to that. So I thought it would be helpful for us to understand what a contrarian is. This does not mean someone who's ornery and stubborn, okay? But a contrarian is someone who's willing to look outside the box of accepted opinions and practices and is willing to question what is just like accepted wisdom. And the longer I've lived, the more I've realized that oftentimes if I just get in the flow of what everybody else is doing, check this out, I end up being pretty much like everyone else. Huh, wonder how that works. But if I'm willing to actually look outside the flow of what everyone else is doing, I end up with the opportunity to experience something in life that's not ordinary, it's extraordinary. Now the amazing thing is everyone sitting in our audience this morning has the opportunity day after day after day to have an extraordinary walk with God. I loved what Maria said to us as she talked to us during our time of worship, where she said, what are we aware of? We have the opportunity to have this extraordinary journey with God. Now, what I'm going to teach you this morning is a relatively new concept to me. I've only had a few weeks to actually work this out of my life and experience this with God. I'm super excited to share it with you. And um, God's just beginning to give me words to, to convey it and, and to get my own mind wrapped around it. But I just want to tell you up front, there's such liberty in what I'm going to say to us this morning. And my prayer is that I can say it well enough that, that, that you can hear it and begin to grasp it and that you will take it from this place and go home and begin to experiment with it as you walk with God. Are you up for that? All right. Well, let's pray. We'll get started. God, thank you for this group of people. Thank you for what you're about to do in us. God, would you speak through me today in ways that are clear and understandable and very distinct? And would you help us to be able to hear and begin to assimilate so we can go out and begin to walk this out in our lives? I pray it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. I want you to think for just a minute of three things. I want you to think of your hands, your head, and your heart. Because when it comes to spiritual growth, before we can begin to really experiment with, with how we can grow spiritually, we have to understand what it is. You can't build a house till you have some idea of what it's supposed to look like. 
And the interesting thing is, oftentimes when it comes to spiritual growth, our minds start sort of with our hands. When you talk about spiritual maturity and people first begin to follow Christ, oftentimes we think, well, spiritual maturity and spiritual growth is about what I do or maybe sometimes what I no longer am supposed to be doing. So we have habits in our lives that we're supposed to be breaking and we have words in our vocabulary that really shouldn't be in our vocabulary and and we used to do things on Sunday morning that now we no longer do and we do things on Sunday morning that we no longer that we didn't used to do and it's about our behavior and so it's a we tend to think that if I could just do more right things then I would be growing spiritually and so we have a tendency to equate spiritual growth with spiritual behavior. But after we play around in that pool for a while, we realize, well, may- maybe there's more to it than that. And we begin to think spiritual maturity isn't about just about what I do or don't do anymore in terms of my hands, but it's what I know. For instance, if I were to start to know the Bible instead of just own a Bible... And imagine if I knew that there were 66 books in the Bible and I could say them all in order. And imagine if the pastor stood up and said, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 13 and I could actually go there in a heartbeat. And and imagine if if I started understanding theology and when my neighbor asked me a question about Jesus, if I could actually answer that question. Now I'm becoming spiritually mature because we have a tendency then to begin to think that spiritual maturity is about what I know. So we move from the hands and we move to the head. And, and, and sometimes as Christians, we get stuck in one of those stages or the other of those stages. And I can take you to churches where spiritual maturity is all about your behavior. And I can take you to churches where spiritual maturity is all about what you know about God and what you know about Jesus and what you know about the Holy Spirit and what you know about the Christian life and and what you know about theology. But, But I want us to understand all those things are good. They're not just kind of good, they're very good. But neither of them, none of them, actually speaks to the heart of what spiritual growth and maturity is. Because spiritual growth and maturity is not about behavior, and it's not about what we know. It's about what happens in our heart. It's not about your hands, not about your head. It's about your heart. Because if we can let God in here, and we can begin to walk out our Christian life from here, then guess what? Our hands take care of themselves. And we end up with whatever knowledge we actually need. And this morning, I hope to be able to show us how that all plays together. But I want us to know right up front that we're talking about a heart issue. And how can God actually change my heart? Now, in the Bible, there's a wonderful metaphor that God uses over and over and over again to help us understand the principles 
of spiritual growth. And, it, and it's, a, it's a, a thing in life we're all pretty familiar with. And God says there's a great parallel between spiritual growth and physical growth. So he said, let's take a look at physical growth. And so we're going to do that. I'm going to look at three great principles of physical growth that we all know and we all understand and we see them lived out in front of us every single day. And we're going to see what they can teach us about spiritual growth. So here are some general growth principles. Growth principle number one is this. Growth happens on the fly. Okay? Not one of us ever sat down, no matter what age we were, not one of us ever sat down and said, I think today's job is to grow an inch. Nope. It happens while you're doing everything else. It doesn't, it doesn't help to sit and think, I'm going to grow today. By the way, if we could grow an inch, I would have sat more days than I did. And by the way, if I could grow an inch, just by thinking about it, I might be able to shrink an inch around my waist if I thought about it. (laughs) And I would definitely be thinking about that. Yeah. But that's not how physical growth works. It actually happens on the fly. And I want to tell you that when it comes to spiritual growth, if you think that you can just go and sit in a corner somewhere and somehow spiritual growth is going to happen because you're sitting in a corner with God, that's not really how spiritual growth works. You're going to grow as you are living out your life. It happens on the fly. The second principle is this. Life is, well, there's the principle. Life is the setting. It is the only setting for spiritual growth, and it's life itself. The second growth principle is this. Growth looks similar for everyone. When you brought your child home from the hospital, you brought your child home, they were an infant. You fully expected them to go from being an infant to being a baby, from being a baby to being a toddler, from being a toddler to being a small child, and all the way out. Because, you know, no one ever brings an infant home from the hospital and, and three months later, they're an adult. And then a little bit later, they're a teen. And no, it all happens sort of in the same way because physical growth looks very similar for every one of us. Well, guess what? Spiritual growth is the same way. The, the, the principles of spiritual growth are the same in my life as they are in yours. And that's why as a community of of followers of Jesus, we actually can help each other and we have opportunity to speak into each other's life. Because generally speaking, we tend to grow and develop along the same principles. They are the same for all of us. But the third one is the one I really want to focus in on this morning, and that is this. Growth also follows a God-given, a God-designed, personalized path that's different for each of us. We have three children. They all grew at various different stages. They all matured in very unique and individualized ways, even though they went from infant to baby to toddler to small child and so forth. Along the way, there was lots of personalized variation. And the truth is, as you and I grow 
in our understanding of spirituality and living out this wonderful spiritual nature that God has given us, that, that no two of us will actually grow and develop along the same path. And that is by God's design. That also is a massively huge challenge for every church. Here's why. So there will be 600 or so people here this morning. And our job as a pastoral staff is to figure out what we can do to equip and encourage and inspire you to grow spiritually. But realize that all 600 of you will actually grow and develop on your own path. So how do we do that? Well, the natural tendency in a church is let's get everybody in lockstep. So everybody's going to do this study, and then everybody's going to do that study, and everybody's going to do this study. And and what we end up doing is trying to get everyone to look exactly alike. Because we assume that spiritual growth is an educational process. To be sure, there's some learning involved in it. But spiritual growth is not just an educational process. You can write this in your notes. It's an experiential process. So how does that work? Well... If you look at the title of the message, it's called The Case for Meandering. And we're actually going to talk about what it looks like to meander with God. And at the end, I'm going to give you an illustration that you'll probably always remember. I hope you will. It was most impactful for me. But let's take a look at The Case for Meandering. And we're going to go straight to the Bible. The Apostle Paul wrote this. And this was a guy who was on a journey with God throughout his life. And this is something that God revealed to him. Paul writes and says, We know that God causes everything to work together for the good. Now, I put inside brackets spiritual growth because that's actually what Paul is talking about. And before we get to the rest of those verses, I want to pull over to the side of the road for just a minute because we have a very personalized definition for good. When we pick up the passage and read, God causes everything to work together for my good, we think in terms of convenience, we think in terms of ease, we think in terms of for my financial benefit, we think in terms of all the things that make life, uh, what shall I say, stress-free for us. That's not actually what he's talking about there. He's talking about for our spiritual growth. And here's how I know that as we read going on. It works for spiritual growth in the lives of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. What is God's purpose for us? Well, Paul doesn't leave that to doubt. Look at the next sentence. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to what? Become like his Son, would you underline that and and just go back, put a circle around purpose and connect those two? 
God's purpose for you and me is that we would become like his son. Paul writes later to the church in Colossae, and he said, I want to talk to you about your greatest hope in life. And that is that Christ would be formed in you. Not, not that you would just do what Jesus does or that you would know what Jesus knows, but that Christ would be formed way down on the inside of you so that your nature becomes like his nature. So let's learn a couple of things from this passage in addition to what we just learned. The first is this. Life provides the opportunities for growth. I want you to think about this for a minute. Paul said, we know that God works in everything. He works everything together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. As I was sitting with God on that, God said to me, Ron, you realize I never waste anything in life? You talk about somebody who is, who is at the forefront of efficiency. God never wastes anything. Now, there are things that happen in my life that are of my own choosing. Some of them good. Some of them way less than good. Okay? But for good or for not so good, God says to me, Ron, I'm never going to waste one of those. And then there are things that happen in my life that I have nothing to do with. They simply happen to me. I'm driving down the road and somebody crosses the yellow line and clips the fender of my car. I didn't have anything to do with that. It was something that was going on in their world. All of us have both of those. The Bible doesn't say God causes both of those to happen. No, please don't blame God for everything that happens in your life. Okay? God gets a bad rap. It's you. Unfortunately, when good things happen, we think, I'm a self-made man. And when it doesn't go so well, God, how'd you do this to me? <laughs> That's not how life works. There are things that happen to me that are of my own doing. And there are things that happen to me that other people do to me and life does to me. But here's God's promise to me. God says to me, Ron, I won't waste any of them. But you know what else he said to me? You do. I said, really? He said, yeah. When something happens to you and you have a bad attitude about it and you pout about it and you're the victim, well, you just wasted it. That was an opportunity for spiritual growth and you just went in and flushed it down the toilet. Gone. Yeah. Or when something great happens to me and as my dad used to say to me, Ron, when something good happens to you and you let it go to your head, the reason it goes there is because there was nothing up there to begin with. <laughs> there was plenty of room up there. Got it? So when something good happens to me and, and, and I let it lead me to a place of pride, I wasted that because I had the opportunity to move forward in my spiritual growth. Life just life all by itself provides the opportunities for spiritual growth. And so the real principle that comes out of this is that oftentimes, here's how this works. 
We, when we need to grow, we have a need to know. How many of you can remember taking a class on human anatomy as you grew up? Of course, most of us took a class on human anatomy. So what are the little bones in your ear called? Most of you don't remember. A few of you know the actual medical names. Some of you may remember the hammer, the anvil, and the stapes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, you're looking at me like, what was that? Okay. Well, that was out of my high school class, all right? So here you go. Why, why do most of us don't remember? Why don't we remember that stuff? Because we're sitting in class going, I don't need to know this. When I studied this, I checked it out. I don't hear any better. Knowing the names of those bones doesn't make me hear any better. I am not going to be a doctor. Why do I need to know that stuff? And the truth is, when someone tries to teach us something that we think we don't need to know right then, we don't tend to hang on to it. However, fast forward a few years, you have a child that's born And for whatever reason, your child is starting to lose their hearing. You become immediately interested in how the human ear works. You go online, you start doing research, and pretty soon all your close friends have a crash course in the anatomy of the human ear. (laughs) Isn't that right? Yeah. Think about this. When we as a church try to teach you a bunch of things that at some point in life you may need to know, but you don't need to know it right now. So we're going to take you on a class on the basic principles of theology or advanced theology. It's just going to over the top of your head because God designed you primarily to learn in the context of when I need to grow, that's when I need to know. Does that make sense to everybody? Yeah. Yeah. That, that really ties into the case for meandering. Okay? Let's go to the next one. God provides the curriculum for growth. Life provides the opportunities. God provides the curriculum. When an event happens in your life and you don't share it with God, it's an opportunity for growth. The only problem is there's no curriculum attached to it. Because God is the one who brings the curriculum and enables you to take that, what would become an isolated event in your life, and actually turn it into a learning event in your life and a growing event in your life. And so here's the actual principle, and and I want to talk about this. Kevin oftentimes says this to us, God is at work in it, and he will what? He will work it out. God is at work in every event of your life. And we already read, He's at work. God works all things together for the what? For the good. For the spiritual growth of those who love Him and are actually tuned in, as Maria said today, aware of His presence for us. And that this event has the opportunity to actually help form Christ in my heart. And in my nature, so that I become by nature more and more like him and less and less like I used to be. That is God's design. So this 
brings up what is the heart and soul of what we have been teaching you for a number of weeks and will continue to teach you, and that is the essence of the Christian life is engaging with God and learning to live as his child. Those of you coming to Mac on Wednesday night, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that word engaging and we're going to, we're going to see how this plays out. Those of you who come on Sunday mornings, over the next few weeks, we're going to talk a lot about just the principle of how do we engage with God and what does that look like in our lives? Because it really is the essence. And as we close, I want you to pull out that picture, okay? Um, because there's a lesson in that picture. And I'm going to read us three passages of Scripture. And, and I want to talk to you about destination thinking. And I, and I want to talk to you about next step thinking. Kevin brought out this principle of destination thinking a while back. And here's the thing. You can see that this is a, this is a hike from the, from the valley floor to the top of Yellowstone Falls. And that's a hike that I took with my younger brother uh, a few years ago, uh, 2,800 feet in elevation change from the bottom of the valley floor to the top of Yosemite Falls. So that's more than a half a mile up in the air. Uh, challenging hike, but so fun. Now, back to what I want to teach you. Okay, We have a tendency to think that our destination is the top of the falls. And that's where we ought to be, and that's where God wants us to be. And we have a tendency to think, I should feel guilty until I get there, because that's my destination. Spiritual maturity is where God wants me. It's where I should be, and I should feel guilty until I get there. And I want to tell you that God doesn't look at it that way at all. In fact, let's take a look at these three passages of Scripture, and we'll come back to this particular uh, picture. God says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you what? Which path to take. Underline that. He will show you which path to take. The second passage says says this. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? When God directs the steps of your lives, I will guarantee you this. There will be times when God says, go left, and you're going to go, huh? Why would I go left? The destination is right. And you're telling me to go left? That makes no sense to me. Have you ever argued with your GPS in your car? Have you ever been wrong? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> of course, because it doesn't always take you on the direct route. It takes you on the fastest route. Sometimes it takes you on the only route, but you have to go left to get right in order to make that happen. Okay? Yeah. Here's a third passage. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in, what's the next two words? Every detail of their lives. As you look at this picture, and and, and let's put the picture back up here. As you look at this picture, the interesting thing about destination thinking is every time we think 
with the destination in mind, we try to get the fastest and the shortest way there. Yeah, that's right. I'll guarantee you, when, when you plug a, a destination into your GPS and it gives you two or three alternate routes and says this one's 20 minutes slower and this one's 17 minutes slower, do you ever check those? Are you kidding? I only check the one that's the fastest way. Yeah. And that's the way we are in life. When you stand at the base of Yosemite Falls, you're at the bottom of the black line. And when you look, what's the, sh- what's the shortest and most direct path to the top? It's the black line. But I'm telling you, there's only a handful of people in the world who could actually take that black line route because it would scare the living daylights out of all the rest of us. And actually, we would get frozen halfway up and have to be rescued. When you look at the red line, that's actually the path that I took. The amazing thing is it doesn't start at the base of the falls. You have to go way to the left as you're looking at the falls. And they say, here's the entrance to the Yosemite uh, Falls Trail. And you start walking up that trail. And does it look straight or crooked? It looks a little meandering, does it not? But here's the thing you need to know. That path was designed with humans in mind. Real flesh and blood humans like me. And it goes this way, and it goes that way, and it goes this way, and it goes up, and then it goes down, and then it goes this way and that way. But you know what you get along the way? Beautiful vistas of the valley below. And sometimes the path is steep, and it's hard. And I got tired, and I had to take a break. And I had to sit down and gather my breath and and let my strength recuperate. And then I could stand up and I could walk another quarter of a mile or another half a mile. And then I would have to sit down again. We have a tendency to think that God wants us at the top of the falls and that life happens at the top of the falls. And if I could just get to the top of the falls, life would really be wonderful. You know what God says? Life happens on the trail. And when you're tired and you need to take a break and you feel like something has spiritually overwhelmed you and you know how to move forward and you need to sit and take a break, God sits and takes a break with you because he loves every twist and every turn. He loves every up and every down of the journey. He loves every vista because God loves taking the journey with us. And here's the thing you and I need to know. I couldn't always, in fact, I could rarely see the destination when I was on the trail, but this is what I knew. If I took enough next steps, where would I end up? I would end up at the destination. And the key to life is this. The key to spiritual growth is taking my next God-directed next step. And if I put enough of them together, God makes sure that it ends up at the top of the falls. And you know, He doesn't want you there tomorrow. He doesn't want you there the next day. He's going to be taking you on that journey for the rest of your life. 
and he's going to be enjoying every minute of it. Now, there are three things, three ways, wonderful practical ways that we can apply this. And the first is this. We can say, I'm ready to make a first-time decision to become a Christian today. You know what that means? That means that you're ready to get on the path. You're actually ready to take the hike. You're not sitting in the valley with your binoculars looking at the top of the falls going, eh, maybe someday. There's a point at which you have to decide, I'm going to go over and I'm going to get on the path. And you can make that decision today. It's as simple as deciding and saying to God, I'm ready to get on the path. And virtually every Sunday at our church, people make that decision. And, and I don't expect this morning to be any different. So I'm going to lead us in a prayer in just a minute. And if you're ready to go get on the path and start walking with God and becoming a Christian, here's the short of it. The day that Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sins so your sins could be forgiven and you could be invited to get on the path of God's kingdom and begin the journey with God. And so the decision to get on the path is a decision to accept the work that Jesus did on the cross and to ask God to forgive you of your sins and invite you into his kingdom. It's that simple. So I'll lead you in a prayer in that in a minute. The second thing is some of us in this room are already fully engaged with God in the next step of our journey. That is an awesome thing. I'd like to celebrate that with you. So if you already know what that next step is and you're fully engaged in it, Well, check that box. That's awesome. And many of you in this room, I assume, would be checking that box. And the third thing is, I'm going to ask God three different times. If you go, wow, I don't really know what the next step is. Well, at least three different times this week, draw aside with God and say, hey, I would really like to know what the next step is in my walk with you. And then listen. Because God's your Father, and He will talk to you. And uh, we're going to explore what that looks like as we move on. But uh, I think you might just get uh, pleasantly surprised by God because he'll make it very clear to you. Sometimes he does that right away. So if you're ready to make the decision to follow Christ, here's the prayer. Let's all bow our heads. You can say this prayer where you are. If you say this prayer, I want you to check it on your card, on the back of your card, so we can send some resources uh, to you. But here's the prayer. Lord Jesus... Thank you for paying the penalty for my sins. I am excited to get on this journey with you. And so today I choose to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. God bless you. I hope you've had a wonderful time this morning. I hope you have a wonderful week of meandering with God. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.